0: Hey, welcome to another episode of The Weekly here at Calvary Bible Church, where we connect what happened in our weekend services to your real-life lived Monday through Friday. I get to be one of your hosts, Thomas Milburn, with my co-host, Pastor Jay
1: Ewing. What's up, Thomas? How's it going, buddy?
0: It's going pretty good. I think we have a great show today. Uh, We have a special guest, the senior pastor of Calvary Bible Church, Tom Shirks with us. And a live audience. Yeah, we're in studio with the live audience.
1: Hey, if you're new to Calvary or want to check out what's happening at Calvary, visit calvarybible.com. We're so glad you stopped in to hear a little bit about more who we are and the people that serve at Calvary. If you've been at Calvary for a while and haven't stepped into a membership class, October 25th is the day you want to mark on your calendar. You can go to calvarybible.com and sign up today. I just a little promo. It's one of my favorite things we do at Calvary. I love the couple hours we're together, uh, discovering, looking at the Word together, encouraging one another, and seeing all these great people sign up to be members of Calvary. So don't miss out. October 25th is the next one, and uh, you can find more information at calvarybible.com slash membership. All right, Thomas, let's get into it, right? All right. What about a, a review? If someone wants to review us here at oh, the weekly podcast. Yeah.
0: If you've been listening for a little while, you definitely want to hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review. If you don't think that this is a five-star worthy show, don't even worry about reviewing us. We only want five-star reviews. Only five stars. All the time. Only.
1: Totally. Just like Pasta jays.
0: Just like our mom always gave us participation ribbons. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. You know, Go to the little, uh, like button. Also, go to the subscribe button. We would love to ding you every week when we get a new episode out. Don't and then miss. also
0: remember after you engage the weekend services, whether that's with your home group or by yourself, um, you can always submit your questions to the weekly at calvarybible.com. You can jot any notes down, clarifications. Can you go a little deeper on a point? We like to take the top two or three questions that come in each week and facilitate a conversation around those things to help them as practically as possible applied to our real life lived.
1: Yeah. And we love hearing from you and you've been asking some great questions. So keep up the great work. Um, And we just look forward to those emails coming in.
0: It's fun. I mean, we're a few weeks into this show. I think we're getting some of the, you know, nuts and bolts together getting some of the cobwebs out. It's fun to hear how people are journeying with us on this. Um, We'll send me a quick note saying they appreciated the podcast or kind of liking a funny thing they heard or how it was helpful. Shout out to my friend, John, who's driving back to BV right now. Uh, he's been traveling back and forth, and uh, he's been listening to the podcast, enjoying our time. So, John, what's up? Stay on the road. Oh, man.
1: Is he our first like major listener fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He deserves that. Okay, let's jump into it. All right, Tom, we were in Acts 16 this last week. We had a great time in my own home group watching you. Um, we actually paused you for communion. We actually did communion on our own. But um, sorry about that. We fast-forwarded you there. But we jumped into Acts 16 with you, and the question I have for you is, what are some of the things you saw in Acts that you didn't mention on Sunday?
2: Well, first, did you fast-forward any of my message? No, we did not. No, we slowed that down. down. (laughs) Play that again. Play that again. (laughs) No. Uh, You know, when you preach for... Uh, In this format, for 25 minutes, there's always a lot left out that you can't quite do. And I could have had two or three other uh, sub-messages within the message. And one in particular is the whole concept of Paul and Silas being thrown in prison and literally being strapped in chains, probably in sort of a spread-eagle kind of posture And being in that painful condition in the darkest part of the dungeon, breaking out in praise, praying, singing hymns to God in a way that transfixed the whole prison so that all the other prisoners were listening to him. And how you could just unpack what in the world leads people in the darkest, most painful, humiliating experiences to start singing praise to God. What is that? And I think there's a lot you could totally spend some time in order to be that kind of person who can see in a really horrible situation God's hand in it and give him glory and call upon his name really takes um, a a resolute faith and a deep reservoir of understanding. I, I was telling someone earlier that in order to have praise that really just flows out of your heart, you have to have it inside you. It has to be a reservoir of you know who God is, you know how great he is, and it's easy to praise him because his greatness is greater than my present suffering, even as terrible as it is right now. And I love thinking about Paul starting this church in Philippi, and then writing this letter to the Philippians, and one of the most famous verses in the book of Philippians is Philippians four, four, where he says, Rejoice always again. I say rejoice, and they would have said, Oh, yeah, I remember when Paul was in prison right. and goodness, he was rejoicing always in the prison and great things happen.
1: Totally. I we've never been in prison and in chains for our faith, but Something about praying and singing hymns, even at the darkest times of, like, funerals, most, I mean, I love new worship songs, don't get me wrong, but sometimes those hymns, those ancient hymns, really are meaningful in some of the bleakest moments of our lives.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When you are broken, but you can announce, in some respects, by faith alone, that God is good, God is great, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. He is active, he is present. We've been saying over and over again in the study in Acts, he's working, he's working. When you tell your heart that, a matter of fact, you you can think of the Psalms when the the Psalms say, why are you downcast, O my soul? Oh, I will yet hope in God. I say to my soul, and it's like a little bit of self-talk about God talk, helps you get in position to be a worshiper at all times. Right. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Right. Yeah.
1: It's a yeah. Great, great word. Jesus reminds us to be the wise builder, right? Foolish and wise builder. And you, you build a house in great weather. That's what Tom, Thomas has told me. No. When he were in California, you built in great weather. We joke,
0: no one hangs sheetrock in 110 mile an hour winds. That's right. Yeah. So the, a lot of these things are built in during seasons of peace, of uh, restfulness, where you're having to be intentional to know who God is and pursue God yep. so that they come out when you're squeezed. I love that old um, analogy where it says, hey, everybody's putting something in you and you don't know who you are until you're squeezed like a tube of toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever's inside is going to come out. And we see, you know, Paul and Silas definitely being squeezed at this moment. I, I think this is a very practical piece for us today where, like Jason, you know, we, we haven't been imprisoned yet. It's only Tuesday.
1: It's only Tuesday.
0: But, I mean, we're in a season where it, it's probably hardest for most Americans in the last six, seven months. And some people would probably say it's it's been hardest to praise God in these days where we're we're still seeing God do some incredible things. And if you're like me, I, I ride down kind of this wave of emotion of, almost feeling like, oh, these days are terrible. I'm sinking down more into despair. And then you see what God's doing, his activity in people's lives and people's marriages, how they're starting to see God move on their behalf. And you see, man, it really is uh, possible to begin to count it all joy um, whenever we experience trials of many kinds. Because we can just take it to the bank that God, who is the initiator of work, is also faithful to be working in the midst of our circumstances. Mm. And we see God... Blow the doors off here just momentarily after they're singing hymns and his continued work with the jailer.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we've been over a couple of weeks now of these texts, these really important stories of the early church. And I'm sort of curious in my own study and own pondering of these stories, we see Paul and we see these early church uh, individuals praying a lot. So my question to you, Tom, is how has Studying, reading these, meditating on these scriptures sort of shaped your prayer life um, in these coming weeks, in these past weeks, I should say.
2: Yeah. Well, so what's going on around us from COVID to politics to personal problems that we all have, and I have them, um, is just constantly uh, prompting us to be in touch with God or to lose hope. Right. So um, I, I think about the troubles we're in lead us to say um, we don't lose heart. Even though everything's falling apart around us, our inner man is being renewed day after day. We look to things that we can't see, not the things that we can see. That, that's a faith experience. And the way that you build that faith, trusting in what is unseen, what God is doing behind the scenes is by prayer. Prayer is the way you bring uh, an awareness of your own in your own consciousness that God is working right here, and I'm acknowledging Your presence in these circumstances that I don't like that much. So, how how long would it be that we had to pray if we started reciting all the things that are hard right now? Right. You know, you think about the hard things, and. You know, is the response anxiety? Is it eating more, drinking more, watching more, binging more on something? Oh, I got to block this out. Or does it precipitate my world is falling apart? I'm being renewed on the inside. God, I welcome you to help me in this circumstance. And I'll be honest, when you suffer, you know, a deep wound, a a deep problem, it's hard in that very moment to respond. And that's why we're saying earlier... It really helps in the good days to to be working out in these spiritual disciplines so that it becomes a natural response that when I'm being crushed, I turn to God in prayer. Yeah. The, one that, the episode that comes to my mind is Nehemiah. Nehemiah went to prayer and fasting in the Old Testament for the work he was going to do in rebuilding the wall. And that prayer and fasting in Nehemiah chapter one, God began to answer his prayer and The king saw him distraught, and the king said, Nehemiah, what's going on? How come you're not feeling well? Um, Oh, how could I feel good if the wall's not built? And The king said, well, what do you want? And the next verse in uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, somewhere around verse 4, doesn't say that Nehemiah blurted out what he wanted. It says, when the king asked, what do you want? He just said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I think of that as being the kind of prayers that we've got to be praying today. They're just one of my old college roommates used to say when he needed prayer, he goes, Hey, this is a little bit sacrilegious, but he would say, Hey, shoot some smoke up for me. I've got this big meeting or big test or something. And, and it was his way of saying, please shoot a quick prayer on my behalf to God. I see that in Nehemiah chapter two, verse four, that Nehemiah just said, Oh, I've got this great opportunity. God, please help me. And then he spoke. Mm-hmm. And I think all the trouble that we're facing right now either makes us turn to our own reserves, which quickly deplenish, or let us le- turn to God in prayer for replenishment.
1: Yeah. You you brought up fasting. That's actually one of the conversations and questions someone asked me about sort of what they're reading in Acts. It happens in, it happens in Acts 14 and it goes goes inside alongside with prayer. So Let's, let's talk about this. What is the discipline, the spiritual discipline of fasting? How does someone learn how to do this? What are some of the benefits that happen when you choose a discipline like this?
0: So when we're talking about prayer and fasting, some of the things that we're talking about is how do we orient our heart and our attention towards God? So as Tom's saying, you know, we often turn it towards something of our own strength or outside strengths that are quickly diminished um, but prayers and fastings are us tuning in to the powers, the resources, the presence of God. In fasting, uh, I find it in my own personal life, um, from the times that I do it on maybe an annual basis, a couple times a year, there's usually a significant problem in my face, or I'm seeking out wisdom. And the fasting piece of it, which is for me always around food, uh, creates a pangs of hunger, which then tuned my heart to be recognizing God's provisions in my life. I need God to answer this prayer for um, wisdom or clarity um, as much as I need him to provide food for my bodies. And so it's the whole direction of the, of the body, the whole self, because I'm, I'm spirit and I'm body towards God to say, God, I need you for these things. It's the recognition of my dependence on God. And that's kind of where my practice of fasting Really, it's a compliment to my prayer life of tutoring my life to God to say, I'm dependent on you.
1: Yeah, so are you one of the individuals that fast from like TV or social media, like some are prone to do in these days? Or do you really think food is one of the better ways to fast?
0: Yeah, you know, I have turned off technologies at certain times. I don't hold it in the same way as I do a fast from food. And probably the reason is this is, Technologies create anxieties in my life. Um, reading the news, getting emails at 2 a.m., phone calls at 5 a.m. to remind me that you know I've done something that's upset somebody, and so usually I'm taking a break from those because they're <laughs> creating anxieties, which is different than I need to seek the wisdom and the counsel of the Lord. I'm going to go without something that my body absolutely needs. It's essential to my life, as opposed to you know people. There are a lot of people that don't own TVs. Um, I don't know any of them. I'm I'm I know a few of them. But no one that I know lives without food. And so the practice of fasting from food is fasting from the essentials of life. And equating that to, I need to hear from the Lord, which is essential to my life.
1: Right. And for those who have medical conditions, fasting is not the greatest spiritual discipline you could do in your life. So don't feel bad if you medically cannot do it.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, and so you should seek the advice of medical professionals. Yada yada yada. We give the whole spill there, but fasting is a really. I think as I read in fourteen of Acts, it seems like the disciples are carrying on some of these traditions or these practices they learned in their Jewish faith. What do you? What are the things that you've seen um, in their their journeys that they continue on? pre-Jesus, a fallen Jesus, and post following Jesus.
0: Well, hmm. by its nature, I mean, Christianity is not a new religion. Jesus didn't show up, his last name wasn't Christ, and said, you know what we should do? We should create a new religion, and we'll name it Christianity. <laughs> no, it, it is Jesus fulfilling what has been promised. So these practices are practices for God's people that we've seen, Jay, as you're pointing out. As Paul's experiencing in prison, as Tom points out with Nehemiah, these are the practices of the faithful that we go to God in prayer, that there are seasons of fasting going without to direct our attention to our need for God or our laments before God, our grief before God. These are things that are part of the disciplines of the faith that connect us with the Lord. And, you know, for anyone listening, who doesn't feel like they have a prayer life or maybe has never experienced a type of fast, this might be something you want to be paying attention to because this is what connects your heart with the Lord so that in those difficult seasons, you really are prepared to sing praises. Mm,
2: Absolutely. And I would just make the connection to, um, you're saying they were fasting in chapter 14 and several times in the book of Acts, they were fasting and praying. And then they made a decision. So don't underestimate what happens when you deny yourself and focus on really a concentrated prayer life with God, which might be attended by denying food or denying something that you normally would do to say, Lord, more than food itself, I need your will to be done. And the practice, my, my practice over the years has been to take a day, a month, and Just say, okay, I'm going to go away, tub of water, my Bible, and I'm alone with God that day. Don't eat. Now, I don't advertise it. It's private. I do it with God. I don't come back and say, oh, what a holy man I have been today. I'm really trying to get alone with God. It's a mechanism, but it's just a means to saying, God, I want you to see my heart. I'm hungriest for you. I'm fine with someone saying, you know what, something has crept into my life for too great importance. I'm going to go without, fill in the blank, something Mm -hmm. as a spiritual commitment to God that I want more of you, less of this, because this has gotten too big a, a place in my life. But the true fasting in the Bible has always been, I'm going to go without food because it is the necessity for living and um I, I, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want to live by what God says, and I'll deny myself and awaken my hunger for God. That's, that's the prayer we have when we fast. But don't miss the connection of they did that, and then they're going to do it again in chapter 20 that they prayed and fasted, and then they laid hands, and, you know, God was working right in response to praying and saying, we need you most.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a great segue into sort of where, so we're, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to put the title on, the theme of the book of Acts is about these works of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm curious between both of you, what lessons are you learning about the Holy Spirit um, in this season as you're studying Acts? What are some of the things you're like, wow, I forgot about this or, oh, I need to double down on this sort of idea of the Holy Spirit um, as you studied in Acts.
2: Well, one of the things is the Holy Spirit directing them to go somewhere, not go somewhere. Uh, obviously, Philip, I, I want you to go, go south. What? There's no one down there. Go down there. And, right. And he went down, met the Ethiopian. And then as chapter 16 began, you had these four statements that uh, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak in Asia, but the Spirit didn't allow them go to uh, my Asia. So then a vision came to Paul.
1: Right. You mentioned that on Sunday.
2: And then it was obvious they concluded the Holy Spirit was doing this. So when I think about reading that, I think, well, they were the apostles is that the Holy Spirit only worked through the apostles that way. Or does the Holy Spirit want to prompt me about my neighbor, about someone on, in my life, on my staff, in the church who needs a call, who needs encouragement, who needs to be, um, uh, prompted? You know, is there something I should do to respond to that? So I, I have been a, aware in my own life as I've been reading these episodes, the same Holy Spirit that worked in the apostle's life does want to work in my life to, to lead me, prompt me, whisper impressions to me that um, I, I want to be in step with. Walk in the
0: Spirit. I want to do that. What huh. do you guys think are ways that you have discerned whether it's the spirit leading, guiding, resisting a direction your life is going, or if it's really, you know, an obstacle, a stronghold that you got to push harder against or press against to get over a hurdle. What are some indicators in your own life that you can sense that, you know, that's the the spirit of God's leading or withholding right now, as opposed to, gosh, I really just got to press forward with the strength of God through this.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me start off and say, I think when I look at the Acts, you see these small steps of obedience of the Holy Spirit become larger and larger steps of the Holy Spirit. So they're they're not just one day I'm going to be a I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit and I've arrived and I'm going to go talk to an Ethiopian eunuch. So um, I think that's a really big indicator for my own life. How am I obeying the Spirit first in the small ways? Am I kind with my tongue? Am I patient in the grocery line? Am I um, am I listening to this individual well. Those are promptings of the Holy Spirit early on. And then you're right. I think one of the things that's troubling about that is sometimes they are walls you have to press into and just fight the good fight. Um, That's where a spiritual mentor or mentor who's wise in the faith is very handy for me to say, hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let's go get some breakfast. I have this issue in my life. Here's what I'm sensing Um, here's where I see it in Scripture, what do you think? And giving them the opportunity to speak into my own life.
0: Jay, how much have you appreciated my spiritual mentorship of you?
1: Extremely, especially if you buy me lunch. (laughs) That's good, that's good.
0: You you know,
2: the one thing I would add about that, though, um, let it be complimentary to what you just said. There are times when I sense the Holy Spirit prompting me to do something, and it's my moment. Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to... Say yes to God. It's like, no, my neighbor doesn't want to hear from me right now. No, I don't want to go talk to her. She, you know. But I think the Holy Spirit's prompting me that I just need to go over the fence and say, how are you doing? What's going on? And I've had those conversations with people around me. And it's in that moment that faith in you— uh, unassisted by somebody saying, yeah, come on now, shucks, go on, do that. It's like really the the quiet prompting of the Holy Spirit to me. How do I know it? Um, the Holy Spirit bears witness to my heart that I'm his child. I, I'm a child of God. And um, usually it calls me to take a step that is faith-filled to respond to it. Yeah. and And sometimes I fail. But I— I think that's uh, it, it, you. You hear the prompting, then you have to obey.
1: Yeah, and I, I was going to add that most often, I fail at listening to those promptings, and post, I feel like I'm grieving the spirit. I'm really feeling like, uh, like I disobeyed on some way that I didn't listen. I wasn't brave enough, bold enough. Stop that. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, just the 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 thing that you sort of know next time. This is going to happen. I know what it was when I failed. I'm going to step into this and be bold and let the Spirit guide me. Show Those are the, they're just life lessons. They're small, intentional life lessons you learn over time.
0: Yeah, you know, to put some wheels on that in my own life, I think there are certain times, I'm not going to attribute all of them to the Spirit's prompting, but many where I neglected of, Someone comes to my mind after I'm done praying, or I'm I'm driving into church and, and there's a family member uh, that comes to Calvary that is on my mind and heart. All of a sudden, I'm not sure why. And many of those times, I'll just send over a quick text and email. Just thinking about you, I, you know, I was in my morning prayers and I was praying for you this morning. And I'll i be surprised. I mean, I don't have a you know Excel spreadsheet with column A and column B correlation, but I I, I tell you, I'm surprised at how many people say thank you so much this is what's been going on in my life and it's really cool that you had sent me a note of encouragement at this moment. Even sometimes, I mean, it's as though they're on their way to the hospital. So once again, is that kind of what you're talking about, Jay, is those are some of the spiritual promptings of people on your mind, actions to be taken?
1: Yeah, totally. Those are very easy actions. Um, Handwritten notes. I mean, that's an old, old school practice, but that's a very beneficial, like when you receive mail from an encouraging letter of a friend, you that, that means a lot. So um, even note writing is a pretty good practice there. I text. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're it's mod- easy. We're moderns <laughs> totally. It's easier. I get it. But um, that's good. No, those are really good, and I I really appreciate Thomas, you putting some very practical steps in there. And you just learn over time, baby steps. You're not trying to save the world today. You're just trying to listen and obey in the simplest ways. And that's where we all need to start. And That's where we all have started. So, okay. So what is the, we're in home groups. Um, I know that it's been four weeks that we've three have been in our communities. Um, What is like the DNA of the early church that you're seeing flush itself out um, in our home groups? What are some of the things that you're learning that you're like, wow, this is, we're living the early church or like, I'm glad we don't have to always live like the early church in our normal rhythms.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as we're sitting in our comfortable couches with a big screen <laughs> TV, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're saying the words, hey, this is just like the early church. But it really is, is quite different in many, uh, you know, physical aspects.
1: That's a fair point.
2: However, I've been driving home the point in my group, that it is like the early church in that we're talking about the things God has spoken, the apostolic teaching. We're praying for each other. We're trying to listen to what's going on in your life. How can I pray for? who um, Invariably, every week, it's like, um, who are you concerned about coming to know Jesus? And we're praying for lost people to, to come to Christ and maybe even come to our group. So, that's how it's like the early church. Yeah it, it, it's different in setting, but it's the same in DNA, it, like we're on a mission to reach people with this life-transforming gospel.
1: Yeah, it's good. What about you, Thomas?
0: You know, I think many of the home groups kind of formed through the life groups or hey call five or six of your buddies and get together either virtually or in person. And so many of our home groups church at homes look far more homogenous Right now, than probably Calvary actually is. So, Calvary is a very multi generational, socially diverse, socioeconomically diverse uh, group of people. And so, I think our home groups right now look far more homogenous as people have kind of buddied up. And I think of this episode that you were talking about on Sunday, is it almost starts as like a joke with a punchline. Right. You know, right. What, what is a businesswoman, a, a, a jailer, and a recently exercised slave girl have in common? Like they all go to the same church. You know? <laughs> I don't know how the joke goes. That's good. Yeah, like, that's really you know, good. that's how God started the first church, the church in Philippi. Mm-hmm. And how cool is that? It, we and we shouldn't fear when people want to step in to the church that look very different than us. We want to welcome them. Um, we say this in the in our study of Acts. In the study of Acts is how did the early church begin and become the largest most diverse group of people on the planet. It's because churches began with these kinds of characters. All saved by the same beautiful gospel of Christ.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All, yeah. All lives being transformed too. That's really cool. It's really neat to sort of dive in. Thanks for listening to us at the weekly this week. We're so thankful for you. If you got questions, email us at the weekly at calvarybible.com or um, subscribe at the like button on your subscription, on the podcasting service. Let me leave you with this on this Tuesday in October. um, You remember, and don't forget, we have a perfect father. Many of us have good fathers. Some of us are very fortunate to have great fathers. And there's a lot of us that don't have really good or great fathers at all. But we have a perfect father. And Isaiah 64, eight says this, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the works of your hand. Don't forget that today. No matter where you're at, where you find yourself, that you are the work, the handiwork of a heavenly father, a perfect father who knows you, loves you, and guess what? We love you too. We're so thankful to be with you uh, in this podcast. We can't wait for the day we see each other, and uh, be blessed this week at Calvary.